Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law. A personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas, Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 280, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, and you will be dazzled, and you will be entertained here on this version of the podcast. I can promise you that. We've got all sorts of Cowboys thoughts. We're right there with you. We have shattered the glass, we have pulled the alarm, and it has happened before the third preseason game of the 2022 season. Panic has onset. Panic is real, and it is here. I don't know how else to describe this. And we are going to dive right into that. We've been telling you guys about Greening Law for a long time, and, and I think many of you are aware that I'm a client of Greening Law, and I, I understand how they operate and the things that they're able to do. But Jacques, we have an opportunity today. We always talk about the green team well, now we get to kind of introduce you to the leader of that green team, because here he is. When we tell you Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas, we have Robert Greening on the phone with us right now. Robert, hello. Hey, guys. How are y'all doing? What's up, bro? We are doing fantastic. Hey. And I know you kind of wanted to jump on and, and glad we had this opportunity to introduce you to everybody and kind of let you in your own words just kind of talk about how this works and what you do. Well, you know, we're a law firm here in Dallas, and uh, our firm is called Greening Law, and we do personal injury cases on the plaintiff side. So uh, we represent families and, and uh, individuals who are hurt or injured uh, or even killed d- due to the negligence of others. So I just wanted to come on real quick and thank you guys for all the shout outs that you give us and uh, thank your listenership for uh, all the attention that they've given us uh, through listening to your podcast. and. That's really all I wanted to say and just let everybody know that we're here in Dallas. We're here to help. Uh, We practice really all over the state of Texas. So if we can help you or your family members in any way with legal matters, uh, give us a shout. Give us a call. All righty, Robert. We appreciate it so much. And and thanks for all that you do for us. It's a great partnership and we love working with you. All right. Well, y'all keep up the good work. All right, so there he is. That is Robert Greening himself. Always good to have an opportunity to talk to the guy who is behind that whole thing. Like when we tell you 972-834-8900, that's who you're going to be talking to. That's Robert Greening and the Green Team. I've been working with them for a long time now, and I got to tell you, the process has been fantastic. So if you think you've got a case, like he's talking about, you have personal injury, right? 
So personal injury on the premises of a business in a car accident, cases involving clergy and malpractice with hospitals. They've handled so many different clients and that consultation is absolutely free. And that's the guy you'll be talking to. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. We'll start with the news that everybody wants to talk about. Tyron Smith, the currently 31-year-old left tackle of the Dallas Cowboys, the future Hall of Famer, the perennial All-Pro and Pro Bowler. Last night for us, so Wednesday night at practice, he has an avulsion fracture in his knee where basically the hamstring where it attaches to the back of your knee tore off the bone. He will require surgery, and it is most likely a three-and-a-half to four-month recovery process. Best-case scenario for a guy that turns 32 years old this December, best-case scenario is that Tyron Smith could return sometime in December and maybe play in two or three regular season games. I think his season's over. And then it makes you wonder, and I'm not being facetious, is this his career? Uh. Could be. I mean, I think a lot of it depends on the rehab because he missed a chunk of time last year. And so, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a it's a tough deal, man, because he's he's a good dude, a really good dude. He's been a great player, but, you know, he, he came into the league at 20. So even though he's only 31, that body's got a lot of wear and tear on it, man. And it's just betraying him every year. And the question becomes, he may have enough money where he's just like, you know what? I just don't want the aggravation of going through this anymore. Yeah, it's it's going to be curious to see. It's obviously a colossal loss. You now have an offensive line for the Cowboys that has, because Smith is not going to open. The opening lineup for the first game of the season is going to be three new offensive linemen. The only two from last year that will now be where they were last year, Tyler Biotish at center and Zach Martin at guard. You'll have, and, and we're going to get into this, you'll have, I guess, either McGovern or Smith at left guard, and, and potentially, I don't know, do you kick out Tyler Smith, the rookie, at left tackle? He played left tackle in college, and just say, well, good luck. And then, obviously, Terrence Steele on the right side, but this is, this just feels like this season is going to get, th- this could get ugly at times with the offense. Bro, we were saying it could get ugly before this injury. Um, because, you know, and I, I was saying this, and it's not like I was breaking news, but I was like, they got, I think, what did I say last week, man? One and a half spots that they got secure or one and three quarters because I'm like, Tyron Smith is cool, but you know he's going to miss three or four games because that's what he misses every year. Those other three spots are shady. Maybe I said two and a half because I wasn't sure about Terrence Steele. I need to see more before I count him as a as a done deal. It's like when you're playing spades. You play spades, Matt? Not in years. Not since college. Okay. Well, you know, you, you, you talk about what's a book and what's a possible. And with Cowboys offensive line, out of five possible books, they got like two books and, uh, you know, and a possible being Terrence Steele because I don't trust the left guard and I don't trust the center. And Terrence Steele is kind of a – he's like a queen. Maybe he gets through, maybe he doesn't. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't call him a queen. Maybe it's a king. <laughs> well, whatever he is, we don't know if he's an answer. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, last year seemed to be positive, but we'll just see. Um, He's certainly not a write it down and eat, don't even think about him position. Uh, So they got problems, man. I don't know how they're going to move the ball. The offensive line is shady. The receivers are shady. 
they went from an offense as one of the best in the league, man, to being just incredibly shady. And I have such low expectations for their offense this year. Hopefully it, I'm wrong. Yep, and it's their own damn fault, quite honestly. They act like they're totally cool. And we, we've got some audio from McCarthy. We've got some audio from Jerry Jones, who was on first take on Thursday morning, talking with Stephen A. Smith and all that whole clown show that they do at the Star. And it's, again, we played you guys that audio, and you have to go back to the first day when they opened training camp in Oxnard. And they talked about so much of this crap and, it, and now we're starting to find out that even they don't truly believe in it, I don't believe. And, and so I want to play some clips for you here, and, and we'll go through these. If your concerns were not already sky high, they, they're going to probably explode through the roof when we listen to some of these clips. So first off, this is Mike McCarthy, who was asked after the Wednesday practice about, and I think it was Chill who asked a question about... You've talked about you want to get into sync. I mean, is Tyler Smith your starting left guard? How is this going to work at starting left guard for week one? And here's what Mike McCarthy had to say. Connor, if we started today, Connor would play there, you know, left guard. Obviously, I mean, Tyler's Tyler's coming on strong. He does a lot of good things. Uh, he's just, he, he's like the rest of our rookies. They need to play. I mean, they just need to play and keep getting better. You know, and Connor, Connor definitely has, he has value at other other positions, you know, which which I value a lot. I mean, I I think he's a damn good fullback. I think if he lined up and played fullback, you know, 10, 12 plays a game, I think he'd be recognized. Again, Mike McCarthy is telling you that the guy they drafted at their first overall pick in the first round, not first overall, but their first round pick, that a guy he thinks would be a really good fullback <laughs> is a better starting left guard than the guy they drafted in the first round of the NFL draft this year. Bro, and here's what people, you know, I had somebody hit me up on Twitter last night uh, because I'm like, you know, because McCarthy, and I won't go too far off because we'll probably get to it, but, you know, McCarthy's like, hey, if we had to start today, Connor Smith would be our left guard. Like, it's not a big deal. And I've been telling y'all, and Matt's been chiming in on this whole thing, like, you don't draft a dude in the first round at a position of need and then be like, well, he's not starting, uh, don't get all up in arms. Like, what the hell? Like, you drafted him to be a starter. That's why you took him in the first round. Otherwise, you just took somebody else. Um, and so, to me, it's, it's real concerning, even though he did some good things last week, that you don't think he's good enough to start because that's why you drafted him. Connor McGovern has never done anything since he's been here. He couldn't beat out Connor Williams last year. You know, and then you had yeah. uh, enough. Did that guy hit hit you too, man? The guy from Twitter is like, you guys always talk about sports is fluid, but then you want to talk bad about somebody when they have one bad year. Well, this is Connor McGovern's fourth year. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, I don't know what we're and, talking about one bad year. I mean, what has Connor McGovern done for you in the three seasons? And I get he was uh, injured his first season. What have you seen from him that if Tyler Smith can't beat that dude out, why did you draft him? That's the question. Now, if you took Tyler Smith in the second round, okay, cool, maybe. But you draft guys in the first and second round to be start. You draft guys in the first round to be starters. That's not even the conversation and debate. Um, unless maybe they're a quarterback and you took them late, and so you've got to you know you're grooming the guy. But dude, you take a guard, which is not even a um, a premium position in today's NFL. You take that dude in the first round. Ain't nobody trying to hear why he can't start because it's a, it's an indictment either on him or in your process when he doesn't start. Yeah, and the reality of it is when you look at this with Tyron Smith, or Tyler Smith, excuse me, Tyler, their draft, 
their draft pick. He played left tackle at Tulsa. Maybe, and again, the whole idea was, oh, well, we'll draft him for the future. We can develop him at guard for a while, and he can plug and play, and then we can slide him out when Tyron Smith decides to hang it up. And my thing is, well, if that was the case, why wouldn't you have drafted a guy that you thought could come in and start immediately in the NFL at left tackle, at left guard, like, like somebody that you believed could start immediately because you knew, you knew that, that Tyron Smith most likely, just based on his last, what, four or five seasons, most likely you would need somebody who can play left tackle for two games, three games minimum this year that Tyron minimum. Smith would miss. And then the guys that you said, well, we've got tackles who are swing tackle candidates. You took those dudes in the fourth round, man. Those are not places where you take offensive linemen and say, oh, yeah. Those are the guys you say, well, they got to come in and develop for a couple of years before we can really use them. Not in the first round, man. This is just ass backwards to me. Yeah. But I've told y'all the whole time. I didn't like very much about this offseason. I've been talking about Tyler Smith in the draft since they took him, man. This is not new. And my whole thing was, I hope he's I hope he's that guy. And why do we have all these questions? We had all these questions because you took a group of five guy who led the nation in penalties. And you're like, Okay, we're asking a group of guy, five guy, who led the nation in penalties to step into the National Football League and start. Huh. I don't know about that. But, okay, I guess so. Well, now you're telling me, well, he's not good enough to start and, and, and quit tripping. Okay, this is all I'm going to say. Name the last first-round pick who didn't start, bro. Bobby Carpenter. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do see what you're saying. And, and again, when you so go, in, but when yeah, you go, go into ahead, the bro. season like this and you're talking about it, like Josh Ball is the guy you were mentioning who's their swing tackle. Josh Ball, who didn't play at all last year as a rookie, has no NFL experience, and by all accounts and all reports and even from the own coaches, they're not real high on what he's able to do, and they're just rolling into the season like this. This goes back to, and you heard McCarthy talking about this, and you're going to hear it again when he's asked about a couple of these other young guys that they have. Remember when they were laughing and I go back to the very first day of training camp in Oxnard when they're up there going, well, we're real, we're real excited about these young guys. And Jerry's like, uh, I, uh, we, uh, I tell you this, we got a lot of young guys uh, uh, who going to, uh, we feel good. Well, now what? Because now all I heard, all I heard McCarthy say in that last phrase that I just played for you was, you know, Tyler Smith, he just needs reps. He's a young guy. A lot of our young guys, they just need reps. They need experience. Well, so when when are we going to say, are, are we good when we're 0-2 and the Bucks and the Bengals come in here and whip your ass with all these young guys? Uh, is week three when the light goes off for the young guys? Or are you is, well, you know, hey, that's a tough road game. It's the first road game for a lot of young guys up there in, in, in the Giants. So, you know, let's get home. We're 0-3, but our young guys are getting a lot of good reps. I mean, when do the excuses stop with this crap? Dude, it's, to me, this is all just a cut. They made some... I've said it before. They just made a bunch of curious decisions in the offseason. And um, they're biting they're them all, in the ass. They're all coming home to roost, bro. Like, again, you know Tyron Smith gets hurt. Or that's the history since 2016 or 2015. Right. Dude, do you know how long that is, bro? Yes. <laughs> that's, it. that's longer than an average NFL career. Yes. So this is not nothing new. And you say... Well, our backup plan is a guy who we're going to bring along slowly because he's a young player and needs to develop in Tyler Smith or a couple of fourth-round picks. Like, like, what are y'all? You know what, man? This is what happens when you view the world 
through rose-colored Ray-Bans at every step. This is what happens because you lie to yourself. And you say, hey, I'm not fat. Hey, I've done this, man. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Well, as long, you know, um, I mean, I may weigh 240, but, you know, at least I don't weigh 260. Hey, 260, 263. Well, I still got seven pounds before I'm 270. Well, you're just lying to yourself, man. Well, I mean, my waist is 42. These britches are a little snug at 42. Uh, but, but it's okay. I'm not 44 yet. You're just lying to yourself, man. Push away from the table, Taylor, and figure out something because you're getting big, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but, but that's what they're doing. They're lying to themselves. And you, you hear this a lot, and, and we'll play some more cuts from McCarthy here because he talks about the offensive line. I mean, he was asked about Tyler Smith and McGovern a lot last or on, on Wednesday night on that press conference that he had after their last practice. Well, here he is talking about, again, this is a guy in McGovern who they believe can be their starting left guard, but they're giving him reps all over the place, and he talks more about Connor McGovern here. Connor's done some really good things. You know, Connor you know, took some snaps last night at center. You know, I'm going to try to get him some work uh, potentially Friday night at center. So just, you know, he's been the third center, um, you know, for us last year. So just trying to, you know, just hit all those different things, you know, work on who your fourth quarterback is. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that we've been talking about here as we get to the end of training camp. And again, he's talking about fourth quarterback for the Friday night preseason game. But you listen to Connor McGovern. And again, this is a dude who they believe is better than the first round rookie they drafted who McCarthy is telling you, oh, we want to see what he looks like at center. We want to see maybe he could play fullback. But he damn, he, but but he's damn sure better than our rookie we drafted for left guard. Bro, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, what are we sent, doing? Somebody sent me a text at twelve fourteen last night that said McCarthy is dumb. <laughs> I go, I don't know that he's dumb, but because uh, I mean, yeah, I don't think he's dumb. But I was just like, I don't, you know, maybe he's lacking awareness right now. Uh, you know, because this dude. I don't know, man. But again, so this last cut is him talking about the offensive line and the moving around and the different things that they're doing with the offensive line. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, you got to play. I mean, there's a reason why you have 48 up. I mean, you, you, you want to use them all. I mean, especially, you know, I don't think, you you know, you take a rookie and just you know, line them up as the starter either. You know, I guess. So there's, that's why you have competition. That's why those two guys are competing for a position. It's only going to make us better you know, at the left guard position. And then also you have different combinations. You know, we have the, you know, Connor's also done the, you know, the, the big tackle for us, you know, the tight end. So, I mean, the unbalanced, all those things are still viable. I've never heard a coach in my life act like, oh, yeah, we'll just move people around on the offensive line. I mean, that's, you know, most teams want the same five guys. You want, you want the offensive line to gel. You want them to be out there for all 17 games. And baby Connor would be a valuable piece if he was the sixth guy and you could plug him in at all these different spots and he could do all these different things and he can get some fullback action and, and you know, maybe you can use him on a tight end eligible play and that, that sort of thing. But, dude, we're talking about an offensive line now that looks incredibly shady because it's got one player, 31-year-old Zach Martin, that you can trust, uh, one guy who maybe he's solid in Terrence Steele, and question marks everywhere else, bro. It's stunning. How, how are you going to function behind an offensive line like that? I have no idea, especially when they're talking about they want to use Zeke and Pollard more. And that, they, I mean, the last time that we saw Dak w without a quality offensive line, and granted it was a few years ago, but he got shell-shocked and it almost ruined his career in Atlanta. 
bro that's not even an un, and that's not even an overstatement or an exaggeration that's like real i know <laughs> like, man and like now they're just really almost happen what are this isn't like this is the most insane crap listening to mccarthy say this stuff and he's like well that's why he got 48 up you know this is so you so apparently mccarthy is trying to tell me that the competition at left guard is good and that's why you have competition and got then again why why on the planet did you draft a guy that you did not think could start for you bro i don't, I, know, I don't know how that makes sense i mean imagine if other nfl franchises are doing this i mean no. what, what are you doing I, I i just it makes no sense like can you imagine Aiden Hutchinson drafted up in Detroit with the number two overall pick. Uh, hey, Dan, I noticed Aiden uh, hadn't been getting a lot of snaps. Well, you know, we, we competition's good up on our front, and, and we drafted this kid. Hey, you know, he just need. I mean, what? who says this? But see, I find this interesting. Uh, I don't know if I use this guy's name or not. Uh, he runs a blog, uh, Cowboys blog, but he goes, it's extremely sad and frustrating to watch the Cowboys sell out Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. Those two will be the focus of all blame from people if the season doesn't go well when the front office did very little, if anything, to help them in a critical year. You don't think Mike McCarthy had any say? Like, you don't, like, they just excluded him from what they were doing? I don't believe that. I don't either. But I, I've also, and I mean, this is like conspiracy theory, me, I guess, but there is a part of me who thinks Jerry really wants Sean Payton. And then he just makes up this crap about McCarthy's the only guy that can lead this team. And he doesn't think the price for Peyton is realistic right now. And I mentioned this before, and I'll say it again. There is a part of me that wonders if they're looking at Dak and they want him to show them that he deserves another contract at the level that he's going to get paid at. Well, damn, bro. You got to give me something to work with for me to show you that. Well, that's what I think, too. But I, I really do. Part of because me wonders. He's not, he's not Aaron Rodgers. I know. Tom Brady. Right. <laughs> He's not that guy. He's really good, but he's not that guy. Because nobody's ever said he was a Hall of Fame player. We always said he's a really good player. They just seem so uh, just whatever against paying some of these guys what the market value is, and they can read the writing on the wall with the fact that they only were able to do a four-year deal with him. When his deal is up next, I mean, he might be making $50 million a year. And, and I wonder if they're looking at this going, okay, well, let's see what he's got a number one receiver and we feel good with this group of trash that's out there with them. You know, if Dak is really a 50 million year guy, then he can find a way. I mean, I don't, just some of the stuff that Jerry and Steven have said, it's like, they're like, well, it's on Dak, man. Dak's going to have to play better. Dak's going to have to be better. Dude. Um, that's, I mean, I'm not, you know, perhaps that is their thought, but that's a that's a dumbass. It, it's a too. dumb thought. It is, and and that's why sometimes when I say it out loud myself, I'm like, surely there's no way. But then I look at who's running this thing and and how mediocre it's been for so long, and I don't put it past them. You know what? You might not because this might be another case of them lying to themselves. Like, oh, Dak is good enough to do this and this and this. He's good enough to uplift this trash around him, and that's simply not the case, man. Every good quarterbacks got talent around them and if they have less than what we would call elite talent it's usually because the quarterbacks considered a hall of famer aaron Rodgers, tom brady are the two that come to mind even drew Brees, uh before he retired but outside of that it's always about we got to go get our quarterback help i mean we got to make it romo friendly yeah i mean look what they're doing for joe burrow i mean it's just what they do man 
Yeah, and that's where I look at this and I just kind of wonder, you know, maybe it is that thing where they go, oh yeah, Dak's this good. And then what would they say? Well, if he's not, then we won't have to pay him again. I just, I don't know. We'll see how it turns out. But, you know, this whole thing with the young players that drove me insane the opening day of training camp, it continues with Tyler Smith and it continues again because here is McCarthy talking about the wide receiver group and specifically talking about Jalen Tolbert here. I thought Jalen had probably his best practice last night. I, you know, I thought he did a lot of good things. So um, similar, you know, answers to the question about Tyler. I mean, he Jalen just needs to play. You know, he needs he, you know he needs to play a lot Friday night, and uh, just keep improving. So I mean, we're we haven't uh, you know picked our fifty three yet, and we haven't definitely haven't put together the Tampa Bay you know game plan as far as exactly who's going to be playing where and, and how and how much. The hell does that mean? So the guy that's probably number two on your depth chart at wide receiver right now, who's your third round pick, is he not on the 53? I mean, what are we, is he not going to be active for game day against Tampa? Bro. What was that? But then he goes back again. It's all similar to what I said about Tyler. I mean, these young guys, man, they just need to play. They need reps. Yeah, but in training camp, you told us how excited you were about all these young guys that you have and and how well they were going to turn out for you this year. Bro, it's... uh... It's a different breed out there, man. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – we'll see. I mean, it's it's real easy to hit that panic button now because Tyron Ty Smith was like one of the two or three f- dudes who, like, couldn't get hurt. Like, you could absorb an injury here or there or somewhere. But he was like one of the dudes, like, if you made the list of guys who can't get hurt, it'd be Dak, it'd be Zach Martin, it'd be Tyron Smith. They'd be at the top of the list because, and Micah, because there's really no real replacement for him. Not even a good, adequate replacement for him. They're just, you're just done. You are just done. And, and I've got a couple more clips that I want to play for you from Jerry on the Tyron thing. And we've got another one from McCarthy about what we might be looking for in the, in the last preseason game on Friday night. But before we continue this Cowboys conversation, let's tell you, about Bruce Biltong. If you haven't had an opportunity, you need to go and you need to order it. I'm telling you right now, it'll make you feel better. You'll be sitting there snacking on it and you'll look at it and be like, well, at least I got my Bruce Biltong. B-R-U-S, B-I-L-T-O-N-G. You use the promo code JAM15, you get 15% off your order. It's very similar to beef jerky, but it's, I mean, it is, to me, colossally better than what beef jerky has ever tried to be. It's succulent, it's tender, it's like, it's unlike really anything you've ever tried because you go into it with a beef jerky mindset. You go, oh my God, this is not beef jerky. It's not stuck between my teeth. It doesn't have this succulent taste that beef jerky doesn't have. It's, I mean, it's great. And it's, uh, I also like it. And Matt talks about it too because Matt likes to work out. Man, it's got 230 calories. It's a uh, 30 grams of protein. That's a punch. And if you're trying to watch your weight, it's a perfect afternoon snack for me. It is. That's a really good way of putting it. It is a wonderfully healthy snack with no sugar, no artificial ingredients. And it's good, man. It is really good. And the flavor is fantastic. It's Brews Biltong online at BrewsBiltong.com. Promo code JAM15. And you save 15% off your order. Also, of course, as always, Freeway Tire Shop, our boy JR. That dude, if you have any car need, whatever it is, and some, I mean, we know how it is, you got to get a state inspection. You got to get your tires rotated. You got to get an oil change. It doesn't always have to be intricate work, but you still want to have that peace of mind, even with the little stuff. 
that you're taking it to a place where you trust that they're doing what they tell you they're going to do, and that's why you go to Freeway Tire Shop. Dude, Freeway Tire Shop, to me, has always been about trust, man. Always. It's always about the trust JR to get the thing done. And if you trust JR, then you're good because, and the reason I rock with him has been from the start with each of my six cars. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Each of my six cars, because all but one of them's paid off. Um, it's all about, man, you trust him to diagnose the problem. You trust him to use quality parts. You trust him to charge you a fair price. And then it's a big one, dog. You trust him to stand behind his work. They do those things. They do them consistently. And that's why I take all my vehicles, each and every one of them, the Porsche, the Jag, the Honda, all of them, to JR. It's Freeway Tire Shop, man. Very easy to find just north of downtown Dallas. You can check them out online where you can schedule an appointment or request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. So let's continue this Cowboys conversation because, as I mentioned, Jerry Jones appeared this morning here on Thursday morning on First Take with Stephen A. Smith and whoever hosts it now and all that. They did that whole setup and did a live show. Michael Irvin was on it this morning broadcasting live from the star. And he addressed the Tyron Smith debacle and what to do and this was his solution and and again the audio on this it's off the tv so you're gonna have to listen up but here's jerry but the offensive talent has got to step up and they've, they got, to, they've got to understand again. we don't have it the offensive talent has to step up with a recognition that we can't count on uh, what you might have had up there nothing wrong with that Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with the the offensive talent's got to step up. What? Okay, so you're asking Dak, C.D. Lamb, and Zeke basically to carry a team running behind a Swiss cheese line. (laughs) And that's the problem, man. That's the problem. Like, it's okay to have expectations. It's okay to say, hey, you need to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. But you have to give us a chance to do it, man. You have to put us in position to succeed. This is not putting us in position to succeed. This is just saying, hey, fix it. And, you know, to me, it's just not going to work, man. It's not. It's not going to work. Now, the other one, and this is where the delusions and the snake oil salesmen and the, oh, look over here, look over here while I reach around and take your money in your wallet and your, your gold pocket watch out of your pocket the distractions that Jerry tried to throw around. And again, off the TV this on Thursday morning, but here is Jerry trying to convince you that basically the Cowboys will be just fine. But it's a setback. Uh, but anybody will tell you one of the things about this game uh, for the best uh, and really for the opportunity of the unproven is that, uh, <laughs> boy, you've got to take what you dealt and go on with it. Uh, we've got some good options here. Uh, we've got a team around him. We've got a defense that's uh, probably as strong as we've had in a lot of years. So we've got a lot of ways not to make up for not having him, but to go on without him. And so, yes, I think we can do it. But let me tell you something. Uh, uh, NFL season is two and a half college seasons long when it comes to games. Yes. Two and a half college. That's right. You start as a freshman and finish up when you're in the middle of your junior year. The guy that's wet behind the ear or the old uh, upperclassman that got crippled all of a sudden on the campus can be a different guy at the end of the school year. That's the way pro football is, and we'll have him, and we'll have him at the right time. We'll have him in that San Francisco game, the equivalent of it that we had last year, 
and uh, maybe we won't uh, fall short. Jerry is just trying to convince you that Tyron Smith will be back for the wild card round of a home playoff game. That's what he just said. And then I don't, he said this before. I don't know if he watches college football or if he's aware, but college football, the regular season is five games less than the NFL. It's not two and a half. The NFL, like, where is that number coming from? I don't know. And, and why are my boys, Stephen A. and Michael, just going, yeah? I know. They're like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, the, the college football season's three games long in the <laughs> NFL. I mean, what? That's so – like, I get what he's saying, and it is true, but what he's trying to compare it to, what happens in college football is there are teams, and this is what – in college football, it hurts you worse. Now, to his point in the NFL, you can lose games early and still have a shot late – in college football, those teams that have those guys, Ohio State's a great example of this last year. Ohio State was a much better team at the end of the year than they were at the beginning of the year when everybody was running all over them, and they slipped up early and got beat by Oregon, and that loss cost them the rest of the year. Now, right. what happens with the Cowboys here, and this is my fear, you listen to what he just said, and it sounds to me like, hey, you know, yeah, our guys are young, much like McCarthy's saying, and they need plays and they need reps. Yeah, we might not be too good at the beginning of the season, but come come wild card weekend, we, 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 uh, uh, Tyron Smith will be there. Nah, bro. Clowns. Uh, We're clowns. This franchise sucks. I hate it. And you just can't say, hey, we got the time the guys to step up. Like, who? <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, everybody's not replaceable. Some folks are replaceable. If Terrence Steele gets hurt, okay, he's replaceable. Let's go find another guy like him and, and keep it moving. Everybody ain't replaceable, man, and it's folly to sit here and think or act like it is because it's not, and we all know it's not. I mean, it's just not, bro. It's stunning. And, um, it really dude. is, like, to listen to them talk, and, and it's the whole organization. And they, well, It's what I tell you all the time, man. They, and I hate to say it because I like them personally, but they just talk to you like you dumb. Like like you have no common sense at all, like right. whatever they say. It's like when your girl is cheating on you and you've caught her and you you've caught her in bed and she says, What are you talking about? There's no man next to me. Like, what what are you talking about? Matt's right there. No, no, that's not Matt. That's just a white sheet. <laughs> <laughs> it is like this. God. <laughs> You're like, No, I'm pretty sure. Hey Matt, is that you? Yeah, it's me. Okay, see, he said something. No, that was that was just you and your whole bread. I didn't hear anything. I mean. And, and you just go, what are you talking about? It is insane. It is absolutely insane what they are asking us to buy into here. And, like, to your point, it's like they think that we don't have access to the depth chart. Like, like, yeah. like we can't see the options on the roster because Tyron Smith is gone, and he's not coming back for a long time. So what are the options? Well, you can move Tyler Smith to left tackle where he hasn't been playing because they've been grooming him for guard, but he did play at Tulsa last year. He played left tackle at Tulsa. So maybe he's comfortable there and you can stick him out there for the first two weeks against NFL first team defenses when we've never seen what he could look like. That's an option. You can do that. Your other options, you've got a swing tackle in Josh Ball. We mentioned him earlier, Josh Ball, who was a fourth-round pick who did not play at all last year, has been highly inconsistent in camp. That is an option on your, on your roster. Terrence Steele, right. who's the right tackle. I, he has proven he's more comfortable, and they like him way better on the right tackle. I don't know that you want to move him to left tackle because then you got to replace your right tackle, and it would be with Josh Ball. You got Matt Walesko. 
Everybody's like, well, who the hell is that? You know, their fifth round pick, offensive lineman that they drafted in the draft this week, just got back to practice after his shoulder injury, and he's missed almost all of camp. You have another dude currently on the roster named Avante Collins, who's been a part of the rotation. You've seen him in the preseason games. Last season, he was on the practice squad, and he has not played in a regular season game since 2019. Wow. Those those are your options right now on the Cowboys roster. Now, there is a thought that Eric Fisher, who is easily the best tackle available on the free agent market, he was, yes, he's that Eric Fisher, the first overall pick in the 2013 draft. He did eight years in Kansas City. And then last year, he played and started 15 games at left tackle for the Colts in Indianapolis. But Ed Werder tweeted out earlier that Eric Fisher is just kind of biding his time and waiting for the right opportunity and has already turned down nine different teams that have wanted to sign him. Then does he want to play? Because that doesn't sound like somebody wants to play. It kind of sounds that way to me. Is If the Cowboys are to call, hey, were the Dallas Cowboys? Would that appeal to him? I don't know. I heard somebody earlier mention Jason Peters, and I laughed my ass off. Jason Peters is 40 years old. <laughs> now, I get it. He, he did play last year. He started 15 games for the Chicago Bears. I don't want a 40-year-old left tackle. But he might be better than, than what you can put him. He, he might be. He might At least he's got experience. I mean, he's got tons and tons of experience. Then you've got the ideas that there's two people that might be available for trade. One is Isaiah Wynn, the former Florida left tackle who's with the New England Patriots. He has had the injury problems of a Tyron Smith. He has missed 34 of 65 possible games since being a first-round pick, and he's going into the final year of his rookie deal. He has got injuries galore. Do you want to mess with that guy? And then somebody has thrown out, and and I thought it was interesting because who's that dude that writes for the Houston Chronicle that covers the Texans? John McClain. Yeah. I saw him put on Twitter, what about Laramie Tunzel for the Cowboys? Something of that nature. I'm paraphrasing what he said. And this idea that maybe the Texans would be willing to part with Laramie Tunzel on the left side for a first-round pick from the Cowboys and something else, probably. Well, I thought they just signed him to a big deal. They did. So, I mean, I don't know. So I thought that, like, when he said that, I was like, why in the world would they want to move on from Laramie Tunzel? I don't know, because he's only 28. Uh, Unless they think that they're so far away from being a good team that okay let's well, just okay. go ahead and so i just looked stop. he's got 2 go years left on his contract All he right. signed a 3 year extension that kicked in last year so he's got 1 year this year and then one more year for 2023 so if you're trading a first for him is it <coughs> worth giving up a first round pick for a dude who's 29 next year that you would have to re-sign to make it worth giving a first round pick uh, that's tricky because it's the same thing like you need to do that, you need to have the agreement in place. Otherwise, he's just going to hold you up for ransom. And then why did uh, you draft Tyler Smith? Because he was supposed to be your future left tackle. That's the other thing. So, nah, that doesn't look like a good option. It's just they're, they're hosed in a lot of ways at this left tackle thing, bro. But I don't. I have a hard time feeling sorry for him, and I don't because the options, like you, like you didn't expect this injury, but you had to know Tyron's. Smith was going to be hurt. Right. And they just didn't give themselves any good options to replace him if he did get hurt. And what I always tell you, man, um, it's the same thing I tell my kids. Real talk. It's never about the best case scenario, bro. It's always about worst case scenario. Yeah. If I park here, 
the best thing is I can go in this bar and maybe I'll come out with a beautiful girl and uh, have some happy time later. What's the worst case scenario? I go in here, I find this beautiful girl to have a happy time. I come out and they tow my car because I, I shouldn't have parked right there. Yeah, and that's happened to me, friend. Bro, and you have to weigh it. And if you decide to take the risk, you're like, okay, they might tow it, but okay. Or you just come out, oh, my God, I can't believe they tow it. Like, well, then you're a dumbass because you should have taken that into consideration. Yeah, because uh, you know you, why? You made the, that decision. The girl I was dating, I can, she must have been Jerry Jones because I believed what she told me. She was like, oh, nobody ever gets towed out of this garage. These aren't the cars you're looking for. <laughs> I hope she didn't say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't. But you know what? She sure as shit was wrong because I woke up that next morning and I was like, my car's gone. She's like, where? Oh, my God. They must have towed it. I was like, you literally told me nobody's car gets towed in here. She goes, well, I didn't think they did. I hope the happy time was worth it. <laughs> I mean, my God, man. And that's what the Cowboys are doing to us right here. Did and you know, hear that? He didn't answer that question, so that means it well, wasn't no, no, worth no, it. nothing of that nature happened with that particular individual. <laughs> oh, then it really wasn't worth it. No, we were just hanging out, like for real, and I just ended up crashing there. But we did not engage in activities <laughs> of that nature. My boy. I'm just saying. But I'm telling you, man, like with the Cowboys, when you look at this thing, it's like, what are the two things you and I talked about this ad nauseum, like literally the entire time through the offseason with the wide receivers in the offensive line? And we looked at this and we said, wide receiver wise, you are probably if Michael Gallup can't come back for the first couple of games and James Washington were somehow to get hurt, then you're looking at CeeDee Lamb and a bunch of dudes that have never really done anything other than Noah Brown, literally a bunch of dudes who have never played in the NFL. And guess what happened? Right. That. And then we could look at the offensive line and we go, man, I mean, they are, they are like a legit injury on the offensive line away from having some like a real problem. And what the hell happens? A legit injury. And that's why when they try to, like you talk about, they think we're all stupid. Like anybody could look at their roster and say, well, you know what, Steven and Jerry, like, like just for shits and giggles, wh what if... What if Tyron Smith had an injury this year that was more than two or three games? You know? And, like, what would I mean, you guys do? Because based on what you have on the I'm just what would you guys do? Well, you know, we got a lot of dry powder. <laughs> God. Yeah. I mean, dude, okay, so you got $21 million in salary cap space. What, what good is that doing for you, huh? Yeah, I'm just nothing. asking. What what good is that doing for you? Well, they like their their young guys a lot, Jacques. All they need is playing time. All they got to do is play in some games and get some reps. <laughs> now, you might be 0-5 when the light goes off, but hey, at, at some point this season, those young guys are really going to come around for us. And then McCarthy gets all pissed off at the reporters asking him why they're not seeing more of these young guys and, and why they're not making more of an impact. It's like, well, they, they need more playing time. That's not what you told me on day one of training camp, you clown. Nope, and that's a problem, man. I mean, you know, like I said, man, you know, too many times they act like you don't have any common sense or like you, can't, you don't understand what's going on. And, um, you know, and it's... Uh, and they it's, don't understand what's going on. Morons. Uh, this whole franchise is run by a bunch of morons. And they're not really... I, they, I mean, surely they got to be smart to make that kind of money. But my God. like They make you question it. They do, because I, I swear, if I was in the front office, I'd be like, hey, guys, I don't know. Okay, you want to get rid of Cooper? Cool, but we should probably have somebody else out there. You know, my Gallup's not going to be ready for the beginning of the season, and we don't have anybody else worth a shit on the entire roster. Like, what, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, like, seriously, tell me what we're going to do. Not, oh, well, I like a young guy. Which young guy do you like that you, can, that you know for a fact is going to do something this year? Well, we have different projections than you. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, you do. Apparently, yeah, you really do. So, I mean, that's the reality of which it sits. That's where we're at right now as we look at all of this. Those are the realistic, those are the options that are out there, guys. That's it. That's how they're going to try to fill this hole. And the other thing that scares the hell out of me, Dak Prescott is not playing at all in the preseason. He's going to go out and take snaps week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers behind an offensive line that he's never taken snaps behind before. Well, you don't want him killed before the season starts. That's no, you why don't. Taken, that's why he hadn't taken any snaps behind this offensive line. Um, no, nah, man. I mean, but, you know, they didn't do – they kind of did this last year, and, and they performed well against Tampa Bay offensively. Um, and so, you know, a lot of teams are doing this, and so we'll, we'll see if it works. Um, it's just that uh, they've made a bunch of decisions that are – that seem very questionable right now. And, um, you know. We'll see if they're proving us wrong. Love for them to prove us wrong. Got no problem with that, but uh, it doesn't feel like it right now. Yeah, that's true. And you're lying to yourself if it, if, if it does. That's true. I remember that, that season opener last year against Tampa because, remember, CD had seven for 104 and a touchdown. Like, man, think, like, they don't even need another receiver. And then you look at the, the numbers from that game, you're like, ah, oh, shit. Amari Cooper had 13 for 139 and two touchdowns against Tampa. Hmm. That's okay, though, because they got CeeDee Lamb. I, you know, no big deal. They got these other guys. I mean, Dak barely threw to any other receivers the whole game but Cooper and Lamb. But the, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's going to be fine. No reason to freak <laughs> out about it. Nope. But they do have a game tonight, as many of you listen to this, on Friday night. They close out the preseason. And my final cut that I have for everybody is just to listen to Mike McCarthy here and kind of – what their, I guess, the last preseason game. I thought this was interesting. His answer, he was basically asked for the final preseason game, do you look at this as an opportunity to make the team or fall off the roster? And this is how Mike McCarthy responded to that question. I don't view it that way because I, I really don't, you know, and, and I've worked with coaches that, that pick the team every day, starting first day of training camp and, uh, I, I just don't do that, and 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 the reason why I don't is because you know pretty much the majority of the teams that I've been a head coach on are draft and develop rosters, so there is some variance, and you need you need to get past that second preseason game. You you really do. I mean, I just look at the the way our our, our rookies practice today compared to two weeks ago. I mean, there's a you know Sam Williams. I mean, there's a lot of guys have taken big big jumps here. So and um, and. You know, especially today, you don't you don't have the padded practice opportunities that you have. So, um, yeah, I I'm trying to give you a real like I always do give you honest answers here. But I'm, I'm trying to I, I think that uh, you know I would say off you know for if you're keeping score. But I I I've never really you know because I know this. There's been too many times. This is my first year as a head coach. We we we. Um, we went to the 53 with 50 players and claimed three guys. But other than that, I, I don't ever recall having the, the 53 being an easy easy decision. So it's always tough. So there are still some question marks, apparently. But I, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. And again, it goes back to painting the picture that I feel like we've been trying to paint for the last month since camp opened. They, they feed us all this about how they love these young guys. And yet all you hear them say, McCarthy just said it again, about, hey, you know, it's tough because there's not a lot of padded practices and they need reps. They need, you know, look at the jumps they've made and they need more from these guys. They're, they are going to use games, regular season games, to try and get these guys to improve. And to me, when you're relying on this much youth 
and you're hoping that you have jumps like this using regular season games to do that, that is a recipe for the early part of the season to go very, very badly. Yeah, but I, I don't think that they see that they have any other choice, any other option. They don't now. This is, this is the way they've painted themselves into it, and now, now you just got to deal with it. And to me, that's uh, that's the whole thing. You just got to deal with it, man, and hope that they make you look good, even though it feels like they're not going to. But we'll see. We'll all be watching Cowboys preseason game number three at home against Seattle. <laughs> I do not have a lot. And again, I'm, I got to remind myself of what I told myself. I have got to give this thing two games, and, and maybe I'll feel differently. But the fact that they're rolling into Tampa Bay and Cincinnati, I know they got them at home, but those are their first two opponents. I, I, I just I can't let myself get ahead of myself, but it's really difficult not to, just based Don't on what it, they're bro. feeding us. Don't do it, man. Just be calm. It's hard. I'm trying. I'm trying. You got to believe. You got to believe, man. You got to believe. Well, no, what I, I need to do, honestly. But, but you need to. I need to go to Smokey John's and get a jam session bowl. <laughs> that would just make me feel a lot better. That's what I, I need I to do. No, I ain't mad at you, though. You know, Smokey John's, man, if you get a chance, this is actually true. Like, if you're having a day and, and you're just not feeling it, go to Smokey John's and order that jam session bowl. And that first bite, when, when you get that scoop, you get a little bit. Maybe you get brisket, you get sausage, whatever. And you get a little bit if you did it with mac and cheese or mashed potatoes. And you just dig into that thing and you take that bite. It's just like you'll forget whatever was bothering you. <laughs> Their food will do that to you. I mean, it, it will just comfort you. And you'll be like, God, no. I'm glad I'm here. It's, uh, it's terrific, man. I got nothing but love for the Jam Session Bowl. I've had two of them in the last month. Um, and so that's, that's terrific. Um, but Smoky Giants is great, man. They, um, uh, we always tell you about the rub. And uh, Juan sent me a text today, and so I'll share it with y'all. I don't know. I don't often share the text I get with y'all. You That's know true. I, you you know don't about that. But uh, dude, their their rub will soon be in H E B, bro. The best. The, the grocery store chain, and that's you know. I wonder what all the hype was about with H E B until I went to one. I was like, oh my god, I got to make this part of my regular grocery circuit. Uh, so yeah, they're coming to H E B, man. Unbelievable. Uh, Smoky John's just keep going bigger and better And we told y'all about the rub We told y'all about the sauce You can get it on their website SmokyJohns.com Go to Marketplace Click on it You can have it in a couple days Now You don't have to wait a couple days You'll be able to run down the street To a H-E-B And pick it up Delicious Smoky John's barbecue man Whether you're going to the Location right there Off Mockingbird Just north of downtown Dallas Or as Jacques talking about You and it's not there yet, but it's on the way. You're looking for that rub at, at H-E-B. Or if not, and you don't live near any of this, you can order it online like I do at SmokyJohns.com. Click on Smokey's Market, and you can make Smokey John's brighten your day. As a matter of fact, when we get done recording the podcast, I'm going to go sip some out of the bottle. That'll make me feel better. That's it right there. That's a reenactment of me drinking the barbecue sauce from Smokey John's. <laughs> It's that good. And we're going to have some information because their customer appreciation week is coming up next week. So our next podcast, we'll have some information for you guys on exactly what they are doing for that. Also, as always, HFX Foundation Solutions, local, family-owned. They service all of DFW. Aaron and his guys, and I know you, you guys in DFW got baked for days 
Then you got rain and deluged on. That plays all kinds of games with your foundation. Don't take any risks. It's a free, no obligation inspection. All you got to do is give them a call and they'll come out there and, and check. See if you do have any problems. 817-770-0174. You need to get out ahead of this, man. You, this is, you don't play around with your foundation. I, it's just not worth it. Nah, man. That's why we recommend you call Aaron and his team and go get what we lovingly call a colonoscopy for your house. Get the once over. Get the whole thing looked at it. Make sure you got no, I don't want to call them house polyps, but make sure you got no house polyps. <laughs> kind of like that, man. yeah. Yeah. Make sure everything's straight. Let them tell you if there's been any shifting, any movement, anything you need to be concerned about. And, hey, I got to tell you, there's nothing better than that clean bill of health when they say, no, it's all good, baby. You good. No problems. It's HFX Foundation Solutions, 817-770-0174, online at hfxfoundation.com. So let's take a little trip around the block and, and just get away from the Cowboys for a minute and just relax and enjoy and, and have a chuckle here because... Every time I see stories like this, this always is weird to me. But this happened in Walnut Creek, California. A Brinks armored truck was stopped in front of a market. And apparently the driver fell asleep while the other went inside the store for food. And somehow, some way... Criminals were on the lookout for this, and they stole 22 bags of jewelry and other items worth millions of dollars from the back of the Brinks truck. 73 bags of jewelry. Now, see, you chuckle at that, Matt, but how quickly have you seen me go to sleep from time to time? Well, you know what? I didn't think about that. That's, I, I have seen you go to sleep in less than 30 seconds. During a commercial on the radio. That's very true. And I looked over and was like, my God, that's impressive. So if you if the dude had a late night and he said, oh, my boy's going in there, I'm going to shut my eyes real quickly. He could have been oblivious because, you know, sometimes you go into that deep REM sleep real quickly, start dreaming. Uh, Okay, I'm going to tell you something, bro. I had an early morning this morning. I'm in Jackson and Dion starts his practices at like uh, like the players reported at like six o'clock this morning. And they get taped, and they had a meeting at 7, and they were on the field at like 7.15. And I had a few things to do before that. So I woke up this morning, bro, at about 4.11. That's very specific, but I think that's what time I woke up. Went worked out, jumped in the shower, ran over to Dion, over to practice. And then I was in all these meetings. I do all this stuff, and I came back, and I, had to, I was trying to write some stuff before the show. Because we taped in the middle of the afternoon. And, bro, my eyes got so heavy that I set my alarm because I didn't want to be late. And, dude, when I tell you I put my head down and I was probably sleeping 20 seconds or 15 seconds. I believe I'm it. not exaggerating. And I went to sleep for about 20 minutes. So it was like a power nap. And I woke up and felt great. But when I closed my eyes, bro, I was literally asleep the moment I closed my eyes. That's probably what happened to your boy. Amazing. And if somebody had come in here and stolen all my pork rinds and all my built on, <laughs> I would have never known it because I was knocked out. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, man, because what's fascinating about this, one, like, how did jewel thieves even know? And they must have targeted this thing. They, they must have been. My conspiracy brain is sitting here thinking that they have been following this truck for a while 
because somehow they pulled off this multi-million dollar theft from a private security company, Brinks, that has state-of-the-art technology and security features. And they cut through like some sort of restrictive barrier on the outside of the truck, then cut through the locks and were able to get in there and take all this stuff. And it's like they, they had the equipment. They had to have known to some degree like what was in the back of the truck because, and this is why this is a story, because apparently Brinks is suing the retailers because the 13 retailers that had stuff stolen are claiming the value is $107 million. And Brinks is saying the value is $8.7 million. So a little bit okay, different. Okay, you can't, you can't say one is 100 and one is eight. Yes. <laughs> we all know that the retailers are lying about this. So this is really, I don't know, man. This is really nuts. And, you know, this is one of those things like you never think about it. Like, I don't know why, but stuff like bank robberies and jewel robberies and things of this nature, they seem like movies to me. Like, like it, it's... It's wild with the technology we have in this day and age that people still do the in-person heist. <laughs> like, I, yes. I can get, like, somebody hacking into a bank and, and siphoning off money or something, but the fact that there's a group of dudes or girls, whatever it was, who walked up to a Brinks truck and, and cut into it and stole the stuff, like, you see that in movies. And, and I'm like, oh, nobody does that. Come on. It's too risky, man. Yeah. The, 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 the getting caught is just way too high when you do it in person like that. I mean, there's cameras everywhere now. There's security measures everywhere now. I mean, how did they know what bags and what to take that wasn't going to explode ink on them or something or have a tracking device or who knows what? <laughs> I mean, this is, did you ever see, this reminds me of the movie Heat, the Michael Mann movie Heat that came out, I want to say it was 1995, with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and Val Kilmer was in it. Did you ever see that movie? I never saw the whole... Because I can tell you, man, it, it is very well... I haven't seen it in years, so I don't know if it still holds up, but I imagine that it does. Yeah. It's a little long. What happens? You, did you mute yourself? Where did you go? Oh, no, your signal's fading out or something. I don't know what's happening. Everything is... Everything... Yeah, it's really weird. It's like whenever you try to talk, it's just like you just kind of fade off. Am I here or am I... You're here and then you're gone. It's really strange. And now you're... Anything, bro. Now you're here. No, now you're gone. This is really bizarre. I haven't done anything. I'm not... No, I think it's like an internet signal or something for you. Oh, okay. That's kind of what it sounds like. Like it doesn't, it's just really odd. Like it sounds like you mute yourself and then like you pop up, like whenever you're talking, it's really strange. The internet here and this, and this, I'm down here a lot working on a project, but uh, the internet in here is like really good. 99% of the time, this might be the 1% that is not. I don't know what the hell happened because now you're fine. Bro, it's oh, well. always on my end. Are you messing with me? No, Are for real. Me? It was really strange. I don't know what the hell happened. That was very bizarre. Okay. Who knows? Please. Anyway, so Heat. Talking about that movie Heat, it's 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 a little bit longer. I think it feels like it's it's like two and a half hours long. I was like, yeah, well, it's yep, it is. It's two and a half hours long. <laughs> it's almost three hours long. But man, it is really good. But it tells the story of like elite level bank robbers and and like at the one of the early scenes in the movie they set up to rob an armored truck 
and like their whole setup for it and how professionally they do it. And they've been doing this. This is like a ring of guys that have been doing this for years. It's a fascinating, it has one of the best gunfight scenes that you'll ever see in a movie. It's like 15 minutes long because they get caught coming out of a bank and they're like in the middle of a street with automatic weapons and stuff. It's really, really intense. Hmm. Actually, no, you know what? I, I wouldn't mind watching that again. That's a really good movie. See? Uh, okay, we need to do it then, bro. Yeah, because it came out. That's I was right. It came out Christmas, like Christmas time, nineteen ninety five. So, I mean, we're talking about a movie that's now twenty seven years old. But I mean, Damn. it's dude. It, it's it's Pacino who plays a cop and De Niro who plays the boss of this ring of criminals. Tom Sizemore, as I said, Val Kilmer's in it. John Voight's in it. Um, Ashley Judd is in it. it. It's it's got a fantastic cast. It's it's a really really good intense drama but with some really good action <laughs> moments in it excuse me i'm trying to figure out where you can watch it at now i don't know you might have to rent it off of amazon prime or something you know what i, th- I think so but uh, you know i've rent a lot of movies because they're 3.99 i'm just like i'll blow four bucks somewhere that's usually what i do because people go well, go to Redbox. well i used to i've gone to Redbox and i i always forget to return it and it ends up costing me what i could have cost to just rent it off tv yeah, I, I tend to do that now. I'm just like, it's three ninety nine, bro. So, and it's the convenience know. of, oh, here I'm sitting on my couch. Oh, I, I'll watch this. <laughs> exactly. And so the convenience, to me, I pay a convenience factor. To not have to go to Redbox or some of these other places where you can get stuff and it's cheaper than renting it off Amazon Prime. Bro, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all with you on that one, man. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. So, yeah, if you haven't seen Heat, I think it's interesting and it, it just rem- this story reminds me of that because it's a you just don't think about crap like this you never think about bank robberies because it like the town that ben affleck movie like like you see that in a movie and you're like oh yeah in the movie for sure but people don't really do that come on bro if you think about it it's so incredibly hard for that thing to go off without a hitch yeah it's it's <clears throat> because the problem with this with any kind of robbery, any kind of crime is you can study a thing for a year and you can have all kind of, you know, diagrams and how me and Matt are going to pull off this caper and we give ourselves, we give ourselves, a t- uh, you know, hand bump, fist bump and say, let's get it done, bro. And then that day, some little old lady shows up who hadn't been to the bank in 27 years and foils your plan because she's not where she's supposed to be. Yep. It's just going to happen. Or something else bizarre will happen. And it's, it's just so incredibly hard. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm, it's one of those things. I'm totally out on stuff like that as well. I'm good. Yeah, it's just it's hard to pull off crimes because people don't do what they're supposed to do, man. Yeah, I mean, and again, like, in, like you see these guys in these movies, like the Ocean's Eleven crew or some of these other ones, you know, like Joker right. and the Batman when he goes into the bank and it's like all this high-level planning. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way you could really do this in real life. You know, and then, how, many, how many times has it been a crime? It was pulled off perfectly, except for the first time in 27 years, Matt decided to get a Slurpee. And so he saw you drive the getaway car right. for... For a year, nobody's ever been at the store at that time. During that two-minute window, nobody's ever been there. But tonight, Matt wanted a Slurpee, and now you're busted. Yeah, or, you know, like the one that we all think about is that one, that North Hollywood shootout 
Remember that one with the two bank robbers? And, and that one's all over the internet. I think that was like in maybe 97 sometime. And it was those two dudes who robbed that bank and they came out and the cops were there and they were totally decked out in all kinds of bulletproof armor and just lit up the cops. <laughs> Do you remember oh, seeing man. the footage for that? Like, No, it, but I'm trying to look it up now. Yeah, man. Like, it's, it was crazy. the North Hollywood shootout. And, and I don't know. I'm guessing that they were able to kill the gunmen eventually, but man, they lit up. I mean, they had all kinds of weapons, yeah, all kinds of weapons. Baby. Yeah, look at this. They say, due to the large number of injuries and rounds fired, equipment used by the robbers, and length of the shootout, it is regarded as one of the most intense and significant gun battles in United States police history. Combined, the two men fired approximately 1,100 rounds in total, while approximately 650 rounds were fired by police. Dude, you just don't expect the cop. The, I mean, the no, my God. And shoot eleven hundred rounds. I mean, this is this is nuts. And it was almost it was a forty five minute shootout, where eventually both of the armed guys were killed, and there were twenty injured police officers. Wow, that's something about the OK Corral. Yeah, man, and I, I I've seen the footage on this, and it is. I mean, they walk out of the bank and they just engage with fully automatic weapons and are just like, I mean, it is insane. But that that scene, that bank robbery reminded me of the scene in Heat. It's very similar to that, even though the bank robbery happened after the, the scene in Heat. But it's nuts, wow. man. If you guys haven't seen that, you should look it up. The North Hollywood Bank Shootout. That happened at a Bank of America, by the way. Oh, all right. I'm going to do it. Which is fake because they don't have it in Alabama. So it's the bank of not all of America. <laughs> they should rename themselves. All right, so the other thing we have before we wrap things up for you here is some of the books that we've been checking out. And everybody knows I've read a lot of books. I have surpassed my total from last year, and I'm currently on book 36. Unbelievable to me, really. Yes, and the last book that I just read was a really, really good one from a guy I know here in Alabama named John Talty, who is a, a reporter who has covered a variety of different things. But he just wrote a book, and it was a really interesting book about Nick Saban that I don't, I don't know that anybody has taken this angle about Nick Saban. It's called The Leadership Secrets of Nick Saban, How Alabama's Coach Became the Greatest Ever. And it's more of a book on this is why Nick Saban is so good at this and how you can apply a lot of the things that he does as a leader and incorporate them in your own business or in your own life or if you are a leader of people at any level. You know, it, it's kind of stuff like that. It was really interesting. And he used real stories you know, interviewed a lot of people that worked with Saban over the years, but never talked to Saban about the book. I get that. I mean, one is, I wonder if he tried and Saban was like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably I don't need to talk to you. About that probably it. happened. And you know what, man? That's okay. It's uh, as long as you don't put the kibosh and call all your friends and tell them not to talk. Uh, but even so, it's, it's good. I mean, clearly, you know, people who have success like that, there's things that they do that separate them. Um, uh, and they talk about it all the time. I mean, you see it in action if, if yeah. you're up close and around them. Uh, did they? What were some of the things uh, or a couple of things that, that you found most interesting? Just kind of his leadership style, which I think we all kind of know, but it kind of dove more into exactly the CEO part of that. And, you know, for instance, like one of the things would be like when things were going really bad, he would kind of look at it in that some leaders may have a tendency to get more irritated at their staffs or whatnot. Like, hey, your numbers suck and get them up. 
and that Saban is more likely to, when things are going well, to really nitpick and and get more irritated versus when things aren't going as well and trying to have more of an understanding just like the different little things like that. And, and you've heard about this with him before, like complacency and not being complacent and the 24-hour rule where no matter what success they have, celebrate it for 24 hours and then it's time to move on because that happened and how are you going to do better than what that was about? Like just little things like that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting when you say that because, you know, Dion does a lot of stuff like that. Uh, I mean, you can see his leadership traits when you're around him for a while. And one of the more interesting things uh, that he did was um, in one of the first coaches' meetings of the year, he told um, he was telling the coaches, "Hey, when the, when the players are lined up doing their stretches, um, as much as you can, don't just go say a word to them. Put a hand on them, touch them, let them feel you." And so afterwards, I was I was just asking, I was like, "So what's up with that?" And he goes, just like anything else, he says, if I touch you, you feel we're connected, even if it's briefly, yeah. because we've had a touch. He goes, and so I just want them to touch because they feel connected, and it's just a little bit of thing, but you transfer a little bit of your energy to them, uh, and it's got to be good energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but it's the little things like that that I'd never really thought of. I go, oh, okay. But that's the kind of stuff that superior leaders do all the time, and I'm sure Saban's got a thousand things that he does like that yeah just routine and different things and and having the understanding of trusting essentially you know in football you would call it your position coaches what have you but having your department heads are hired for a reason or people that you trust that you can have them where they'll get the job done and they're making sure the job's getting done because you can't do everything yourself so I thought it was a really unique take for sure because I've read multiple books about Nick Saban and this is the first one that kind of approached it from this angle and it's worth the read I mean there's there's a lot of stuff in this book that came out that nobody knew before talks about how he cried after the kick six happened in 2013 it talks about how after that it all happened that he had gotten serious with in talks with ESPN game day and had gone and was considering potentially leaving coaching at that point but decided that he wanted to stick it out at Alabama and hang around there and that the ESPN game day thing wasn't quite for him at that point where he was in his career. So you do learn some things you might not have known about Saban, but at the same time, more so of how in the world does this guy have seven national championships and be at the level that he's at as dominant as he is? And, and you get kind of a sense and you get to learn a little bit about that. So the other thing that I've been reading is, and I think I told you about this before, the Orphan X books. And this whole, I mean, it's very similar to the gray man. It's this, this dude who was an orphan and they adopted him into this totally off books government program and trained him into a high level assassin ever since he was a little kid. And he's like the best assassin on the planet. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm reading that I'm on book four of that series. I think there's eight of them now, and it's a phenomenal character. Really cool. Really enjoy the books. And it's fascinating because in this one, he for a reason, because the, the current president, in the books, in the books, whoever is listening to this, it's fiction, it's in the books, the president of the United States is a really bad person who had some people that were close to him killed, and so now Orphan X is going after the president. Ooh. Yes, and oh, I'm, right. it's very, this book has been rivet. like I can, I mean, like, whoosh, I, I just got it the other day, and I'm already halfway through it, I'm like, man, this is, this is intense. 
What's so intense about it? It's just, I'm always a fan of stuff involving the president. I find that fascinating because he's so well protected and so well guarded in all the hoops that they jump through to make sure that the president is protected and whatnot. And so that angle of it in this book for a guy who spent his whole career trying to help the United States and doing what the president asked is now turned. And, you know, not that he's bad. The president's bad. The president's an ass. I mean, it's just really, really wild in this book to see how it's going to play out and some of the different angles that are being presented. It's interesting. Mm, Sounds like, sounds like kind of book I might need to read. It's a real page turner, man. These orphan X books are legit. They're very, very good. So are the gray man books. I mean, all these, apparently I really like that lone assassin, high level black ops guy. (laughs) Apparently you do. I'm a big fan of these reads. I'll tell you that. Mm, You've not got me intrigued. Orphan X. Yep. There's eight of them. Oh, wow. Okay. Eight of them. Now is the series over, or he's like, or he? Or I think he's just. I nine. think there's another one coming out in. I want to say February next year. It's no, kind of like no, the uh, the Harry Bosch books, where you know there's going to be probably end up being a bunch of them, but they're good. I mean, they're very they're very high, quick page turning, and the character is a colossal badass. What's the first one? Um, I can't remember the name of the first one. It should say, like, if you're looking at it, Orphan X book one. Okay, he's written a lot of books. Yeah, he's written some other books. Oh, yeah, the first one is just called Orphan X. So this character came out in 2016, and there's going to be a TV show or a movie or something, but Orphan X is the first one. The Nowhere Man is the second one. Hellbent is number three, and I am currently reading book number four out of the dark yeah okay so there's seven currently and then the the eighth one is coming out i think next year i think that's what it is all right what's orphan x's name orphan x is well his fake name is evan smoke okay that's what i meant yeah he's evan smoke he's orphan x with the government and he's the nowhere man because his whole thing is he got tired of being in the orphan program so he dropped out and nobody knows how to find him but he goes by the nowhere man and he helps one person, usually one person a book where he has a number and he tells he'll help you like no matter what, if you're in trouble and you call him and he goes, do you need my help? And they're like, yes, I need your help. And then he vets that person and whatever you're thinking, like he got one guy out of uh, MS 13, the gang. Oh, okay. Like stuff like that. Like somebody will come to him. I need your help. Please help me. And he helps like people who are in really bad situations that are struggling through no fault of their own. They got put in a bad situation with bad people and he'll take out like 20 dudes. Right. I mean, he's okay. that level of guy. So it's kind of cool. Right, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Like in one of the books that like he busted up an entire uh, dr- uh, sex trafficking ring and all this, cause he came across somebody and he helped them and then realized it was deeper than that. And he just kept going and kept going. So. He's a badass, man, and the books are really, really interesting reads. I'm a big fan. No, you read a lot, bro, so I take I do. I do read pretty a lot. good when you recommend them. You've been reading a lot yeah. about, like, high school football books. Yeah, yeah, I just, I went back and reread Friday Night Lights. Like, I hadn't read it in 20 years, so it was all kind of new again. And then, uh, and it was, it was, you know, I mean, it was just another good read because I finished it rather quickly. And then I went back. And I'm reading a book now about, uh, it's called Across the River by Kent Babb. I think Kent used to cover the Arizona Cardinals a while back. Now he's a features writer for the Washington Post. But it's a story about an inner city, 
like, let me preface it. Like, you know, in Dallas, we made a big deal because South yeah. Oak Cliff won a state championship for the first time since 89 and really the first time since the 50s that a DIST team had won it. Well, this is inner city New Orleans, which I got to tell you is worse than inner city Dallas, much worse. And uh, they've got an inner city team that won three straight state championships. And so he went down and took a real inside look at um, all the hurdles. Yeah. He really focused it on three guys, three players, the season through their eyes and all the hurdles that they had to overcome uh, personally to, uh, to win state championships in uh, New Orleans. So they won four in a row. Um, you know, and so it's it's just it's an interesting read just on you know because he, he does a good job detailing all the stuff they go through and really sh- pulling back and showing who these people are and how you know a lot of times um, you know you're just a victim of your circumstance, man. If your dad's a crackhead and your mom's a prostitute, it's just hard for you to have a fair shake in life, bro. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, very true. You're so you're so far behind at the start because your life is not about going to school and getting an education and trying to figure out a trade or a job or something. Your life is, let me see, can I survive today? Can I figure out something to eat today while not getting shot by some gangbangers on the way home? Yeah. Whew, okay, today's been a good day. I got something to eat once, and uh, I'm alive to go back to school tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, dude, that, I mean, that's like the lives these people live. And uh, it's, you know. He did a really good job. So it's, uh, I'm not. I, what happened was I got three quarters of the way through it about a year and a half ago, and for some reason I stopped. So now I'm back rereading it again. So it's pretty good. Yeah, and it's interesting because you just read Friday Night Lights, and obviously the one of the main characters in that was Coach Gary Gaines, who passed away just a couple of days ago at the age of 73, who was the head coach at Odessa Permian for a few years in the late 80s, and including when they went undefeated and won the state championship in 89, but was a part of obviously that 88 season, which is chronicled in Friday night lights and, and, and launched not only that book, which gained all that notoriety, but the, the movie that came out with Billy Bob Thornton, who played gains and then the fictitious yeah. take that kind of took itself from that in, in Friday night lights, the TV show, which is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. That's getting your money's worth from a project. No doubt, man. <laughs> That is getting your money's work. Let me see. I wrote a book. That is New York Times bestseller. It turned into a movie. Uh, it turned into a TV series. I mean, good grief. That is, uh, that's terrific, bro. Uh, I would say so. I would say so. I mean, Gary Gaines, when he was at Permian, 46-7-1 in the four seasons that he was there, including the Texas 5A state championship in 1989. And then he bounced after that season and was the linebackers coach at Texas Tech under Spike Dykes for a few seasons before returning to going back to... Oh, this is interesting. I didn't realize this. He ended up going back to Odessa Permian like 30 years later and was their head coach back in 2009 through 2012. I wonder if they were any good then. There's no way. No, okay, it's hard. It's hard to go home. Okay, so he went 23 and 21 in those four seasons with just one playoff victory. But Permian, like, like, like that whole thing out there with Midland Lee and Permian back in the 80s and 90s, they were dominant in Texas high school football, and you never really hear much about them anymore. No, they came up to DeSoto uh, two years ago. 
My dude was on the JV, so that was three years ago. They came up to DeSoto, and DeSoto just kicked the crap out of him, man. Beat him something like 37 to 7 or something like that. I mean, it was no contest. And he, and, I like a, and I was trying to explain to my son, like, oh, this is Odessa Permian, man. I mean, this is tradition and history. And he, he just gave me a big yawn. <laughs> they just went out and destroyed him. And so, you know, it, it makes sense because you don't have the oil boom bust of those times. And, and now – with with the way high school sports is gone, you can be the toughest, meanest, hundred and fifty pounder you want to yeah. be, bro. You just gonna have a hard time against technically superior two hundred and eighty, three hundred pounder. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I was I just mean, looking you can try as hard as you want to. So Odessa Permian has six state championships, and the last one that they won was the five A title in nineteen ninety one. And they have not played in the state finals since 1995. Was the last time they even made it to the the championship game. And you I look think at I remember it. Remember that? I don't remember that, man. But you you look at this. They have not advanced out of their region since like 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean they had a hell of a run. They did have a hell of a but, run, um, but it's a, I mean, it's they a had little a hell different of a now. Run. It's a different ball game now, bro totally different ball I mean, game it, it really is it yeah really but it's crazy is. because it used to be you know i mean that that was midland lee and odessa permian man i mean th- th- those were the teams that just had that and part of it was because of the book but permian had like the meat man i mean permian again six na- six state championships in uh, less than a 30-year period right and that set them up for all these unrealistic expectations that were they were going to last forever <laughs> yeah but I'm telling you, and, and they did because they were they were tougher, uh, more technically sound than everybody else. They didn't make mistakes, and that was great until you ran into athletic teams that were just as technically proficient and just as tough. Um, and then it's, you know you just have no chance. Yeah, man, and and it's I don't know. It's one of those things where you think about this, and some of those, and some of it has just been like, for instance, like Plano comes to mind because I know when my dad played there. You know, back in the 70s and even through the 80s, Plano was one of those teams that, yeah. that was built into a, a dominant football program. But then what happened? Well, so many people started moving there. They started splitting the campuses. That's one of the reasons why Allen is so colossally good, because they refused to build another high school there. You know, that's actually, uh, I mean, it's a very basic point, but it's a really good point. Because if if you go back to the old days, if Plano didn't have Plano West and it was just all Plano again, They'd be like Allen. Yeah, for real. 7,000, or you'd have 10,000 students, and you just go pick the best, you know, 50 football players or the best 70 football players and and go from there. Yeah, and it's wild because I I don't know off the top of my head, but I know that that Plano, like the Plano Wildcats, have won at least seven state championships. And I don't know when the last time would be. I'd have to look and and figure out what that is. Probably sometime in the early 90s. You know, but that's one of those things with them where, you know. They're not even relevant anymore. I, I mean, isn't that wild how that works? Bro, but I guess that's just not, what it is. They're just not, man. Uh, you know, teams change and communities. It's, it's really the communities change. Yeah, yeah the community part of it. And you don't it, yeah. get the same type of athlete or those athletes move to different areas. And, um, you know, as the suburbs get more and more coaching and, and other areas get bigger and better it's just you know it's it's just hard on them bro 
Yeah, man. And, and, and you look at it. I was just looking at this. Plano, this is so wild. They were two and eight last year. Oh, they were that bad. The Plano Wildcats, they were two and eight. The COVID year, they were one and six. The year before that, five and five, five and five. They have not had a winning record since 2017. Really? That is amazing. Well, and check this out, bro. All the kids are in Frisco now. You know what I mean? Yeah. All them, all them kids who used to live in Plano well, that's go to true Plano East, they're all, in, they're all in Frisco now. Wild, man. Wow. So there you go. A little Texas high school football talk for you. <laughs> who knew? <laughs> that was random, but, you know, that's how it is now. And, and so there you go. Cowboys and Seahawks tonight, as many of you will be listening to this on Friday, August 26th, the final preseason game of the year. We will have our thoughts and see if we learn anything else about the offensive line situation and how this will play out when we talk to you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.